Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Well, good morning, church. I saw a couple of you guys that were like, that ain't in the hymnal. I don't know where that came from, but that ain't there. But good morning. Welcome to church this morning. We are excited to be here. And I'm not going to lie, Sundays are my favorite day of the week. Number one, I am a people person. Uh, There are rare moments in my life that I don't like to be around people. And number two, we get to open up God's word and we get to just see what he's got for us. If you got a copy of scripture today, I want you to get with me over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And while you're doing that, we're going to be there, but don't fret. It's going to be a little bit. All right. There's a long runway before we're going to get to that moment. We're jumping back into the lives of the disciples, the original apostles, those that walked with Jesus, that talked with Jesus, that knew Jesus the best. And the reality is these guys changed the world. Now, when I say change the world, I don't mean like an Oreo blizzard from Dairy Queen changed the world. I mean like these guys changed literally the world, and a lot of us are here as a result of the foundation that they laid and what they gave us, the church that they built under the name of Jesus and, have the, and, and how they walked with them. So what we've been doing is we've been walking into their lives and we've been taking a deeper dive look into who they are. We saw on week one that they were just ordinary people. The reality is, is they were like me and they were like you and they're not superheroes that swooped in one day and caused this movement. They're, they're just normal people off the street that submitted to the call of Jesus and then God sent them to impact the world. And we walked out week one with this thought that the reality is, is that my call is the same as their call and that is to give my life to Jesus, to walk with Jesus and to become a disciple making disciple. Officially, I am here on this planet, left here after my salvation to show other people who Jesus is. In week two, we started jumping into some of the lives of the disciples. And we saw this guy named Philip. He's kind of a second tier disciple. He's in the second list of the disciples, if you would. And we said that Philip is the logistics coordinator. He is the box checker. He's the administrator of the disciples. And Philip loved answers. He loved being type A, and I can totally relate because I love to check a good to-do box. But Philip taught us an important lesson in that sometimes our faith does not make sense, and sometimes we just have to step, listen to me, even when I don't have all the answers. You see, Philip asked these questions all the time, and Jesus would just look at him and go, you just have to know that I'm yours. And I'm asking you to take a step of faith because after all, it's faith, right? If we knew everything, if we had all the answers, we could not call following Jesus a following in faith. There are parts, listen to me, of my walk with Jesus that are not gonna make sense to people who don't know Jesus. There's parts of what I do and what I say and how I give and how I worship and how I enjoy time to where, listen, if you're just sitting during that last song and and you're not even knowing what's going on, there are parts of me that it just doesn't make sense sometimes, the things that rile up in my spirit, but, but they're the Lord. 
And Philip says, sometimes you don't have to have all the answers. Well, last week, we looked at the Apostle John. And we said that John, the elder statesman of the group, lasted longer than any of them, lived longer than any of them. He left us with this message of balance. And he said, look, never back down. We said this a hundred times last week. From the absolute truth of God's word, but then also live that truth with absolute love for people. And we said that was John's central message. In fact, if you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you will see later in life, and even John's gospel, you'll see him looking back into people's lives saying, I love you. But in my love to you, I need you to know the truth. And then he would say, I need you to know the truth, but I'm going to share it in love. Because look, when one of those things gets off, we don't live a balanced life. We live an absolute falling off the wire life. And some of us skew towards one direction. He goes, no, 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 it's the balance. Truth and love. This week we're going to stay in the inner three. We're going to stay with another disciple that was closest to Jesus. And today, we're going to look at the apostle named Peter. The disciple Peter. I love Peter. In fact, probably most of us, if it were doing a vote today, Peter would win the prize for most liked disciple. And I think I know why. And it's because most of us relate to Peter. We relate to how he thinks and what he does and how he speaks and how he acts. But who is this guy, Peter? Let me give you a little background. Peter was a fisherman. Just like a lot of the other disciples, he was from Bethesda. He was from this area where James and John were born. His brother, if you remember right, Peter's brother was the disciple Andrew. Actually, Andrew was the one who introduced Peter to know Jesus. Andrew don't get any street cred from that, but he should. Peter was a fisherman from a line of fishermen. Peter was the outspoken leader of the disciples. He was the prototype. He was the outstanding kind of spokesman. And listen to this. Peter was married. We know Peter was married because Jesus, early on in Jesus' ministry, we find Jesus at Peter's house, and Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. And in order to have a mother-in-law, by definition, you have to be Married. There you go. Peter was a married man. We have Paul talking about him later in life, later on in the New Testament, talking about how his wife actually went with him to work in church. We also see that Peter has a lot of names. He's a confusing guy. Sometimes when you're reading about Peter, it'll say, this guy's Simon. And sometimes it says he's Caiaphas and sometimes, or Cephas. Sometimes it says he's Peter. Sometimes it says he's Simon Barjona. Sometimes it says he's Simon, son of John. Peter has all of these names. And you really have to be careful when you're reading scripture to realize that every time one of these names comes up, it's the same guy. And it's interesting, if you read the New Testament, every time you read Peter's name, if he's with Jesus and Jesus is talking to him, you will actually find out really quickly how that conversation is going to go. Because here's what I know. If I am a kid and it is time for dinner and my mother says, Matt, it is time for dinner. I know that it's time for dinner. But if I am a kid and there is any moment that my mom used all three of my names, Matthew, Blake, Petty, I knew that a bomb was about to be dropped on me and I better go hide, right? It's how it works with Peter. When you're looking at Peter's life, if you notice Jesus uses the word Peter, 
Something good is about to happen. You're about to see an act of faith. You're about to see a stand for the cause of Jesus. But if you see Jesus refer to him as Simon, normally something's about to go down that he ain't going to be proud of. And it's so cool to watch this. It's also cool to note when you're looking at Peter that other than Jesus, there's not another person in the Gospels mentioned more than the Apostle Peter. It's true, right? It just seems like he's always there. It seems like every story you read, every account with Jesus, it seems like all will be quiet, and then all of a sudden, the apostle Peter steps up, and he usually says something that he has to insert his foot in his mouth for. In fact, a lot of us relate to him in that way. A lot of us have an uncanny ability to put our foot in our mouths and to say things that we don't mean, but Before I get to some of the moments of his life, which some are incredibly God-honoring and some are incredibly rough moments, I think that if we had one message from Peter today, if Peter were to kind of have a devotional thought for us, if he were to boil down his time of early time with Jesus, mid-time, late, and being persecuted, I think Peter would have one message that would be his message to the church today, and I want to give it to you. Here's the principle for the morning. The principle for the morning that Peter would look at us and say is this. He would say, your failures are not fatal. He would say, your failures in your life are not fatal if you will just fall towards Jesus. Now, let me say that again because I don't think you're feeling it quite yet. Peter, in late in life, after he'd walked with Jesus, after he'd done all that he had done, he would look at us and say, Matt, put your name in there. Your failures are not fatal. Just fall towards me. That's what Jesus would tell us, Right? And then I could just see it in my sanctified imagination. I could see that smirk of the older Peter, Peter going, hey, Matt, listen, I can say that because I know. And I learned it from Jesus over and over and over and over. You see, because here's the deal. On one side, Peter, Peter had this uncanny ability to go big, right? On one side, he would go big and he was an absolute icon of truth. He was a proclaimer of the gospel. He was a leader of the disciples. He was an example for all of us. But then on the other side of the fence, Peter knew how to blow it and he knew how to blow it big time. We have so many occasions where he speaks out of turn, when he says something when he shouldn't, where he should have just kept his mouth shut and watched what was happening, but he had to talk. We have an occurrence that we're going to see in just a minute where he just outright denies Jesus. And so many of us can feel that tension in our hearts if we let us. So many of us, if we had to define our walk with Jesus, it would be this walk that Peter has. One moment, I'm 100% in. One moment, I'm following after Jesus. My time in, wor- time in the word is incredible. My prayers seem like they're on the express train to Jesus. My relationships are incredible. I'm living my life on the way that Jesus wants me to live. And then the next morning, Matt, I woke up and it all hit the fan. And I don't even know which direction's up anymore. See, Peter knows this life. And just like we've said in every one of our disciples that we've looked at, if we'll let it, looking at Peter's life today and looking at what he says today, 
can really and truly give us a glimpse on how we can walk. Because here's what I know. So many of us would agree that sometimes it just happens. And I don't know how it happens. It just happens. I go from Jesus Jr. to Satan Spawn in like 30 seconds sometimes. And I don't even know how it happens. Don't laugh at me. You do too. I don't know how it happens. Matt, I went from, I, Matt, I don't know how it happened, but somehow I went from summer camp high to spring break low before I even knew what was going down. Matt, I don't know how it happened. I went from singing about God never failing me to blasting my spouse over lunch. Matt, I don't know how it happened, but I went from reading my Bible to Keurig talk with the boys, and I don't even know how it got to this point. Matt, I don't know at what point it happened, but I just know it happened. And Peter would go, it does. It does. In fact, let me show you a couple times it happened to Peter. Then we'll get to our text. Matthew 17 is the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are at the mountain, and, and Jesus is showing them his full glory and all that he is. And, and they are in awe and worship. And instead of Peter just soaking in the moment, Peter decides he needs to talk. Because that's what we do, right? We just talk. And literally mid-sentence, God the Father goes, Peter, just be quiet and soak this in. I love Mark chapter 14 where, where they're in the garden of Gethsemane and Jesus has gone ahead of them to pray. And then all of a sudden in verse 37, Jesus comes back to Peter and the boys and he looks at Peter and he's like, Simon, remember I said, Simon, there's all of it right there. We don't need anything else. He's like, Simon, are you asleep? You couldn't even last for one hour. Yeah, been there. John chapter 13, Jesus bows down to wash Peter's feet. Remember the story? He goes to wash his feet and Peter's like, whoa, wait, no. And verse eight tells us John 13, eight, that Jesus rebuked Peter and literally said, if I don't wash your feet, I don't have any part of you. Matthew 26, they come to take Jesus away, to take him to the crucifixion. We're gonna see this in a minute. What does Peter do? He pulls out his sword. Good thing he's a fisherman and not a swordsman. He cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus puts his ear back on and Jesus rebukes him in verse 51 and literally says, really, Peter? Do you think I need that little sword? I could call down a legion right now. But this is the rhythm of Peter's life. And here's what I know. It's the rhythm of most of our lives. Let's just be honest. The rhythm of our lives are we're either incredibly close and lockstep with Jesus, and then all of a sudden we're getting rebuked and like the next sentence over. If you've ever been married, you know what I'm talking about. This is how we operate a lot of the times. Matthew chapter 16 is probably my favorite Matthew chapter 16, the disciples are in this little private moment with Jesus. Jesus has just been tried to be trapped by the Pharisees. They're having a little team time. And then Jesus asks them probably one of the most famous questions in all of the Bible in Matthew 16, 13. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, who do people, who do they say that I am? And the disciples answer him with some kind of canned answer. Well, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. And, and Jesus is like, oh, okay, whatever. And then Peter steps up in verse 16. In Matthew 16, 16, Peter steps up and Peter looks at Jesus and he goes, hey, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And remember what happens next? 
Jesus, it's almost like a father, like being proud that his kid hit a home run. Jesus looks at Peter and he's like, wow, Peter, that's an incredible moment. You've heard that from God. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus gives Peter a new name. He names him Peter or Caiaphas at that moment. He crowns him as, as that foundation is what the church is gonna be built on. And I could just see Jesus standing there. I mean, I could see Peter standing with all the pride that he's just won the award with this Hall of Fame disciple moment going, that's what I'm talking about, boys, you chumps. I know this man. I am in lockstep with this man. But I want you to notice what happens four verses later. Four verses. Jesus tells them he's about to go to the cross to be given to the high priest to suffer for their sins. In Matthew 16, 22, check this out. I'm not even making this up. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, pause there just for a minute. Just as a little nugget of free truth this morning, it's never a good idea to rebuke Jesus. Never. He pulls Jesus. Now look, he's in his monumental moment right here. Most proud that Jesus has probably been of him. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned, catch this, and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He didn't say it to Satan. He said it to Peter. He's like, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely the human concerns. Now this brought Jesus back. Remember, Jesus just praised him. Jesus just renamed him. He's 100% all in, all-star Jesus Jr. Right here, Peter, four verses later, Jesus not calling him Peter anymore. He's calling him Satan anymore. In this moment. Why? Because this is the same language that Satan used in Matthew chapter 4. We don't have time to look at it, but it's the same thought. It's the same idea with Jesus to go, hey, Jesus, you don't have to die. And Jesus is like, oh, I have to die. I thought you knew what you were talking about when you called me the Messiah, but now maybe I was mistaken. This is hard, right? Jesus Jr. to being rebuked in two sentences. I live a lot of my life there, don't you? We live there a lot. And it's hard to watch Peter walk this rhythm. And can I just tell you, it's hard to live this rhythm. It's hard. It is so hard because there's such polar opposites pulling at us that one day we're saying Jesus is Lord of all. The next is like Jesus is Lord, not Lord at all. But one of the hardest things when we see Peter in these is that we don't get a glimpse into why is it or how is it that happened. But there's one moment, Luke chapter 22, there's one moment where the Bible gives us a little bit of a glimpse into how is it that this happens to us. It gives us some warnings. It gives us some steps. It gives us some kind of, it gives us a little bit of a roadmap on how is it that we can end up just outright one day going from yes, Jesus, to I don't even know who you are, Jesus. And Luke chapter 22 is probably the moment that shaped Peter more than any other moment. And I want us to look at how Jesus was betrayed by Peter in Luke 22. Now, Luke 22 is an incredible warning. Peter would want us to look at it. He would want us to learn from his mistakes. He would want us to dial into this conversation. So Luke 22 is the Passion Week. It is Thursday night of the Passion Week. They are at the Last Supper. And listen to what Jesus says just to start the tone. Verse 31 First word, Simon. You know what's about to happen now. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. 
But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, now notice the sentence, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. They're sitting down. They're having this nice meal together. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Jesus looks at the group. And he's like, hey, Peter, you're about to deny me. But when you come back to me, would you please worship me and latch back onto me so that you can teach these guys how to do that? It's an odd way to have some dessert, right? Peter's like, no, 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 I would never do that. This would mess with you a little bit, right? The maker of the universe looks at me, he's like, hey, Matt, look, you're about to fail me. <laughs> but when you come back, will you wrap this stuff back up and help some other people? This messes with you. But then we go back into the story, verse 35 through 53, they head up to the mountain to pray. Jesus is literally becoming sin for us, the inner guys. Peter, James, and John go into the garden. This is when they sleep. The chief, uh, the high priest comes and Judas betrays Jesus at this moment. And now we have the rest of the story happening. Jesus is being taken to the temple courts to give an account for who he is. Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Catch this, this is incredible. Then seizing Jesus, him, they led him away and they took him into the house of the high priest. And check this out. And Peter followed at a distance. Now don't let that slip through. It's real easy. Let me read it again. Peter followed at a distance. Now, I need you to stop right there because if Peter were telling this story, if Peter were giving us this account, if we were doing an interview with Peter, Peter would look at you and he would look at me and he would say, that's where the process all starts. That's where the cards began to fall. That's where I went from being Jesus Jr. And that's when the pendulum began to swing. He would say, in fact, there, there's some warning steps. There's some warnings. And number one, we're seeing it right here. Peter would look at you and me and he would say, listen, we know we're in trouble when we start to try to follow Jesus at a distance. And we make no attempt to fully identify with him. Listen, I, I need to read this again because it's the first step of denial is when we, we try to follow Jesus at a distance and we make no attempt to identify with him. Now, here's why this is so hard because most of us in here do not see this as denial. We just see this as American Christianity. We just see this as, hey, as long as I'm not killing anybody, as long as I'm not dealing heroin, I am okay as long as I sit my tail in front of some preaching on Sunday mornings. What did it say? Jesus is not a fan of halfway in and halfway out. What did Peter begin his fall doing? He began his fall being halfway in, being halfway out, and saying, this is just normal, but it's not normal. I love how the King James puts this verse. I don't know why I couldn't get it out of my mind all week from remembering it as a kid. It said that, that Peter followed Jesus from afar. It sounds so country, but it just kind of sticks, doesn't it? But don't we try to live our lives so much right there? Don't we try to live our lives in such a way a lot of times where we're just kind of, that, that's enough for me right there. And that, 
I'm, I'm giving my, my little token right there, and I'm, I'm giving this little moment right there, but, but Peter says this is where it starts. It starts when we just distance ourselves from Jesus. And here's the problem. It doesn't work. Halfway devotion to God does not work. In fact, Max Lucado says this. He says, half-hearted Christians are the most miserable people of all. They know enough to feel guilty, amen, but they haven't gone far enough with Christ to find the full joy of the Lord. And then he says, be wholehearted for him. One pastor said it like this. He says, the most miserable Christians are those that want to live one foot in each world. He says, but the problem in that is this. When you stand in the middle of the road, you get hit with traffic from both sides. It's so true, isn't it? That's what Peter did. Look, has Peter said anything at this moment to deny Jesus? He hasn't said anything. But his actions, listen, what did he do? He distanced himself from being a follower. And look, he knew what Mark 8.38 said. He knew, listen to what Jesus said, then he called the crowd to himself. Peter was there along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Listen, you cannot carry the cross halfway. When you begin to distance yourself from Jesus, it is the first step to denying him. We're looking at it right here. It's half-hearted, distanced, paused devotion. But I want you to see step two, because this is just the first step that we don't even really realize is a step, right? I never said anything against God. Didn't say you did. See, denial step number two, Peter would say, is that we not only pause, but second, we intentionally shift. We intentionally shift our identity away from Jesus in an attempt to blend in with the others. We intentionally shift our identity away from Jesus in attempt to blend in with others. Now, wait a minute, Matt. He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't betrayed Jesus. He hasn't left Jesus. He hasn't done anything. Okay, maybe, or maybe that's just because you think you have to outright say something to do it. What has he done? He's paused his relationship, but now notice the progression. Now he's moved over just to fit in with the crowd. I'm not making it up. Look at verse 55. It says this, and when someone there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and it sat together. And listen to this. And Peter sat down with them. With them. Now the scene, let me just, let me just cast the scene. It's the middle of the night. It's not quite morning yet. It's the middle of the night. They're sitting in this courtyard. There are no lights. It is a one like small fire. It is an intimate moment. And Peter sits down around this warm fire and Peter literally tries to blend in. But do you see what he did? He didn't just try to blend in with anybody. Peter is now trying to shift his identity away from being a follower of Jesus and becoming one of the people who just went to arrest Jesus. You're seeing it now, right? He distanced, he shifted his identity in the middle of the night. Has Peter said anything wrong at this point? No, but his actions and associations have straight pointed at it. And listen to me, if this can happen to the rock of the church, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. I love this because it's just showing me that when my faith ever hits a pause, I know something's coming. 
When I feel myself being drawn away from the people of God and being drawn into the lives of the people who aren't of God, I know something's coming. In fact, Peter, you know that in his mind, he was remembering Matthew chapter five, verse 14, where Jesus said, you are the light of the world, but he's sitting around this fire trying not to be the light. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Peter is doing his best to not stick out. Let me ask you just a piercing question right now. Does this represent part of your life? Does part of your life want to look, smell, feel, and be so much like the crowd that you lose touch with your identity of who Jesus is? Has your life been put on pause of following after Jesus and now it's such a distance that you find yourself being drawn to the people who want nothing to do with Jesus? It's the first two steps. But American Christianity doesn't call those steps. It just calls it normal. Oh, it's okay, man. I can be of the world, but just not in the world. I can be in it, just not of it. I can be around. He's like, well, maybe, or maybe you're starting down the slope. But here's step number three. This is the one we recognize. Step number three is that we're not just distanced and we're not just shifting our identity. But step three, Peter would say, is that we quietly deny being a devoted follower of Jesus. It's just that we quietly deny it. We begin to kind of get those people around us that are closest and we begin to make statements that kind of just allude to the fact that we're distanced and we're shifting our identity right now and I'm just moving in a little bit of a different of direction. I love this in verse 56. Verse 56, this little servant girl comes around. This is probably the servant of the high priest, the one that John knew that got him in. And she sees this stranger and she looks at him and then Peter takes this one more step. Verse 56, a servant girl saw Peter seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw Peter and said, you are also one of them. Man, I am not. Now, you gotta realize that these moments are personal moments. This little girl came up to him, she's like, hey, are you one of them? And it's almost like he just whispered back to her, no, 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 I'm not one of them. Another guy came up to him and said, hey, you, you, you've been with him. And it's almost like Peter just kind of whispered back in this little private conversation. Maybe a couple people around the fire barrel heard him say, no, 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 I'm not one of them. I mean, it's not a big deal, right? I'm just doing it with the people that are right around me, but this is where our life is a lot of times. This is what starts. We distance ourselves. We change our identity. And then we begin to those that know us best, what do we begin to do? Show them who we really are. And we begin to let it leak that something is different inside of me. What did Peter do? He began to verbally deny Jesus to the people that were in this personal moment. Peter never dreamed this day would happen. Listen to me real close. Peter did not wake up this morning and go, today's the day I deny Jesus. Just like we don't. He started down a track of going from Jesus Jr. to distanced, to shifting my identity, to letting some that are closest around me into really what's happening in me. 
Also, man, there's a piercing question in verse 58. And it's the question for me is that do people look at me and know that I've been with Jesus? Do people look at you? Do they know that you've been with Jesus? Step three is that we just, we begin to speak freely with those that are closest to us. But then I want you to see step four, because it doesn't stop there. Step four is that we boldly and publicly deny having any association with Jesus at all. You're seeing it, right? You're seeing the progression? Private, distance, changing identity, quietly spoken to those that I want to become like. And now we're seeing a public declaration. Verse 59, watch where all this leads. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fella was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now, who knows who the guy is speaking to in the text? Is he speaking to Peter? No, he's speaking to the crowd. Now all eyes are on Peter. Verse 60, it says, Peter replied, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crows. Now, I want you to notice something in that last verse. In this last verse, there's an exclamation part. After the idea that Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know what that means? That means that Peter didn't say this quietly anymore. Peter said it for the crowd to hear, for everyone around him to hear. In fact, Mark chapter 14, verse 71, Mark's gospel that Peter probably is the one who gave to him. And listen to what it says. It says that Peter began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know this man that you're talking about. Now we don't kind of get that, but let me just tell you what this means. It's a little bit brash, but I apologize if it offends you. Jesus says this, I swear to God, I don't know who you're talking about. And if I do know, a curse from God can come down and strike me dead. That is literally the language that Peter uses. Now, what does this mean? It means Peter slipped back into old fisherman mode, right? Started using some old Captain Sig language right there in the courtyard. And now he is gone from this private internal moment. So he is proclaiming to everyone around him, I have nothing to do with Jesus. Now, it's really easy at this point to write Peter off. Really easy. It's really easy to write myself off, right? Because a lot of us have been in this situation a lot of us, this has been our track, but it doesn't stop there. You see, while he did distance himself and change his identity, and he did quietly deny and publicly outright deny, he was incredibly overconfident in saying he would never do this, and he was prayerlessness by sleeping through the prayer time, and he was isolated. There weren't any other disciples around. For sure, all those things were there, but look, it doesn't stop there. And listen, it doesn't stop for you in this moment. Let's watch what happens next, verse 61. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Amen. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Now, look, this weeping is not like, hey, I got caught and I'm crying over it. This is a, re- a weeping of repentance. And I love the scene right here. It's like a beat down Jesus stares into the eyes of Peter and listen to what he said. I know, I know, and that's okay. Follow me. You know what happens next to Jesus? He goes to the cross. He takes on Peter's sin. He takes on my sin. And he sets me up to allow my failures to be the fulcrum for my victories. Why? Because your failures are not fatal 
if you fall towards Jesus. This is the point, right? This is why they give us this occasion. It's not to bash Peter. It's to show me and to show you that, listen, it can happen. But when it happens, get my eyes back to Jesus. Get my eyes back to Jesus. Luke chapter 21, we see later on, Jesus has resurrected. He is with Peter on the beach. You know he's sweating bullets at this moment. And Jesus restores him. He looks at Peter and he's like, hey, do you love me? He's like, yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. And then Jesus says this, I love it. You know why I love this so much? They're on a little shore of a beach. There's a fire there. I mean, he betrayed him around a fire. They're on there catching fish. Peter's a fisherman. This is all he knew. And Jesus looks at him three different times and says, do you love me? And then the last one, Jesus says the first words that he said to Jesus publicly, he says this, Peter, follow me. Listen, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know Peter would say this, you're not too far gone to turn back. You're not too far gone. It doesn't matter what it is. But Matt, you don't understand. I don't understand. And you don't understand where I'm at and I'm okay with that. Here's what I know. Jesus does. And your failures are not fatal. Just fall towards him. Lord, today, As we close in these moments, thinking of the words of Peter and the actions of Peter. God, I pray that you just show us that our failures are not fatal. God, I know people all in the sound of my voice that have lived an incredibly defeated life because of something that has happened in their hearts and lives. God, today, would you just set them free from that? Would you show them that their failure is not fatal? Would you lift them up and show them that you are great and you are Lord and you are forgiving? Would you set them free? God, I also know that there's other people that that have started down the road. And God, I pray that today you would just identify when they step into distanced mode, when they began to try to shift some identity, when they began to secretly deny, and then when they began to outright deny, God, would you stop them in their tracks? Show them how faithful you are, Lord Jesus, because you are. You know, your heads bow and your eyes close. I just want us to sit in this minute, this moment for a minute. I just want to ask you a question today. Maybe you stepped into this, to this message today and maybe there's been something that has happened in your life that you have never offered back up to Jesus to say, Jesus, I just need you to take this and set me free. Look, I don't, know, I don't want to know what it is, but I do want to pray for you. And today, if that's you, If you just want to publicly say today, hey, Matt, I need to let this thing go and allow Jesus to cover it. Would you do me a favor? Nobody else is looking around except for me. Would you just lift your hand today and go, Matt, I need Jesus to set me free from this. Anybody? I'm seeing hands. Who else? Anybody else? Be so bold to say today, Matt, I've seen it and it has drugged me for too long. 
Amen. I see you. Anybody else? Maybe today you're noticing you're on the track, the steps. And maybe today you just need to say, Lord, I just need you to get me back. Point me back in the direction of walking lockstep with you, Lord Jesus. Lord, let today be my beach moment. Lord, I just pray that during this next moment of worship, that you just allow us to see who you are, to lift you up, and God, for us to reconnect with the giver of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burnt Hickory app.